0: My name is Wizzy Brown.
1: And I'm Bryant McDowell.
0: And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape.
1: Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. In this episode, we're gonna continue on with our beneficial insects. Last episode, we talked a little bit about pollinators. We got into the predators and parasitoids of the insect world. And today we are going to talk about the decomposers. When we talk about decomposition, it can come in a variety of ways. We're talking about dead animal matter, for example, rotting organic matter or plant matter, or the dung feeders, I guess, are the three broad categories. Earlier, somebody gave me what was the term that you guys used? It sounded better. Excrement feeders. There we go. Excrement feeders. Okay. Is it sapro? Saprophages, right? Saprophages?
2: No, coprophages.
1: Coprophage. What's sapro?
2: What is saprophagus? That is decaying plant matter.
1: Oh, okay. yeah, sorry.
2: And necrophagus is decaying animal matter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there's also the vomit eating ones, which I learned at ESA. Well, like, I guess cockroaches that regurgitate and then the other cockroaches will eat it. All a side note. So starting off, I guess we'll start off with the decaying organic matter decomposers, what we're going to be mostly familiar with. If we're out in our gardens and our compost bins, for example, what are some insects that are common there?
2: Oh, in your compost bin?
1: Well, I've got Those two big ones.
0: Giant white grubs. Yes. That everybody Which... loses their mind.
2: <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> that that has become The most important thing I feel like I talk about when I do a Master Gardener intern training, because it, I mean, it does blow people's mind. If if y'all don't know what we're talking about, these are huge, giant grubs that at their largest can almost fit in the palm of your hand. They're so large. And they generally will turn into one of the groups of beetles that I call dynistids. And these are like rhino beetles, AKA ox beetle, I think is the true term we should be calling rhino beetles, those big Hercules beetles. And amazingly, even as big as those beetles are, they're bigger in the larva form than they are actually in the adult form in my mind, but you find them in your mulch, Bags of mulch, or your piles of mulch that you have out, or your compost bin, and they're great to have there because they're eating up, they're they're breaking all that organic matter down. And to me, they're an environmental indicator. If you're finding them in your soil or your garden bed, it indicates you have rich organic matter there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be attracted to that spot. But they're good to keep. And people, I think what scares people is we hear the term grub and we assume we think of white grubs, which are a couple, a few different species that are turf feeders and will do damage to your grass. But these big grubs are not found in your turf. And if they are, they're not eating your turf. They're breaking down organic matter and aerating that soil, making it usable for something else to
1: grow there. The difference there feeding on the actual decaying dead matter versus feeding on an active live plant, whether that be a tree or your grassroots or whatever, the difference in a a decomposer and like a pest species that's feeding on the plant itself.
2: Now I will say that I have had in a couple, multiple situations where somebody had a palm, it was the wrong situation, cultural issue where they were watering it way too much, or there was too much mulch around it or, or something that the palm was not happy with could have been like a really wet year. And those rhino beetle grubs, those dynistids will get into the, I don't know exactly what you call the trunk of a palm, but that inside stuff is really, really compact and hard and very fibrous. And they'll actually get into the middle of that trunk and eat it up and turn it into kind of just mushy stuff. But that plant is decaying. So if you are concerned that these beetles are eating your plants, my question is why is it decaying? Because they wouldn't do that otherwise.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, that goes for any of your potted indoor plants too whenever you're overwatering and you get things like root rot those are all conducive conditions another decomposer/recycler that we are all too familiar with or you know in the recent weeks everybody was talking about our crane flies and I don't know the true significance but as larvae those those crane flies are at least here in Texas actively decomposing and feeding primarily on that organic matter
2: Well, at least that's what I told the media, because apparently I became the spokesperson for these darn crane flies. And that was the question they all asked was, what's their purpose? And which is a valid question, you know, everything has a purpose in nature. And so my answer was always, well, they are decomposers in some way. And my understanding is they are, they're eating like just the decaying organic matter that's in your grass. Maybe it's part of the thatch also that they're feeding on, but I sure did my best to try to make sure that that was part of the interview every time they called.
1: <laughs> so other decomposers, I'll start talking about insects that we are quick to classify as pests, but are however Great at in the decomposition cycle. uh, One of those being cockroaches. So the a lot of the native cockroaches. Do you have any specific ones that are common in your area, or
0: the native ones in compost piles? We normally get the green,
1: the Cuban roaches. Are they yeah,
2: Suriname roaches? I mean, but any real, really any cockroach in nature is eating decaying organic matter or, tr- or what we consider trash and reducing that waste. So even the ones that are not, maybe the situation is not so good if they're in your house, but outside they do have a purpose, probably eating persimmon um, fruit that falls down, that's going to rot or stain your sidewalk. I mean, they're doing something good out there. It's just, we don't like it when they make it into our homes.
1: I was going to say the American cockroaches that invade the sewage system and
2: So American cockroaches are actually from Africa. Is that right? I believe so. I'm sure if you did some research on like the native range of American cockroach and what they actually feed off of there, they probably aren't the issue that they are for us here. They're probably a welcome, maybe not a welcome thing because it is a cockroach, but they're probably something nobody worries about. Just like our native cockroaches, we don't really freak out about it. You know, if it's outside, it usually stays out there and it find it in your compost or your rotten plant material or whatever. Sure, in Africa, those American cockroaches are probably not as big of a deal as they are here. We also get Surinam cockroaches. That's one of the ones we get there. Like, oh, Wizzy, you tell me if I'm right. If I'm thinking of it wrong, some people call them wood roaches, but they're they have a dark, dark brown pronotum or like shielded head, and then their wings are kind of um, a tan, kind of a lighter color to them. Oh, That's those are going to be right?
0: like the the blada.
2: Oh, that's different. Those are the wood roaches. Yeah. yeah, Surinams have no
0: wings. I can't remember which this, I want to say the Surinam are like a pale brown, but they're kind of speckly. Maybe looking it up. Oh, they're
2: yeah. They don't. They have brown wings, but they're not as light as the way I yeah. described it. They kind of are more oval or rounder or kind of. Full. They're, they're not as pudgier long, pudgy.
0: Pudgy. Than- they're fat,
2: and they have a lot of spikes on their hind leg. And, you know, you move debris around. A lot of people right now are sending me pictures of them because they're just gardening and they're dislodging stuff and they start to scatter. And sometimes they'll wander their way inside, but generally they live outside. I think most people call those outdoor roaches wood roaches, maybe because you find them under yeah bits of wood, but all those guys are good decomposers.
1: Another commonly coined pest, if anybody sees a termite, they're going to think, oh, no, I've got a a pest to deal with. But in the environment, those play a very substantial role as far as breaking down the cellulose.
2: I always tell people, if we didn't have termites, then we wouldn't have room in the ground for more roots to grow because they're eating up all that dead stuff the dead trees that fall in the woods and stuff like that. The situation is what makes the pest. In your home, eating that wood, not so good. But outside, where they are natively found and they're doing good out there in the right situations.
1: A lot of these are going to be the immature stage too. So we mentioned grubs. Flies can be feeding on that decaying organic matter or I guess rotting carrion would also, I guess, be considered decaying organic matter. but. My point is these decomposers can be plant or animal-based. A lot of them are going to be in that larval forms.
2: Uh, So soldier flies are usually found in your compost bin if it's really, really wet. And I feel like we did a podcast on this, Wizzy. Didn't we have Jonathan Comic come on? He was a guest speaker. If you guys go back into our archives, I want to say it was probably 2020 or early 2021. But he is the COO of a company called Evo, not the one that does like the arcades and stuff that are around now, but they do it's Evo conversion systems and they basically help do some consulting and and whatnot, but they use soldier flies with the idea that they can feed them restaurant waste and help reduce the amount of biomass of waste that is put into landfills and things. And then those soldier flies can then be used as food for fish or food for your chickens or ground up and be put into dog food so that they can reduce waste, but also use the protein from what they fed on and give it to livestock or other animals. It's a pretty cool idea to think of how insects can make our landfills not be overflowing. And you can have soldier flies in your compost, all you have to do is just kind of get it a little wet and they'll eventually find it. The fly itself is pretty shy and it's not an annoying fly that flies around your head all the time. It kind of mimics a wasp. It doesn't even look like a fly, but if you, if your compost gets wet and you hear it, you can kind of, you can hear them kind of moving around and squishing around inside of it. Instead of having like fluffy dirt of compost, you kind of have more of a wet paste, <laughs> but it's still good stuff to put on in your mulch and in your garden.
1: So of the list that you gave me, uh, any more that are feeding on decaying plant matter?
0: Springtails.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: Often overlooked because they're so tiny.
1: Overlooked. And then what I've noticed is after a very good rain, when you're gardening and you're out in your garden, you have these little puddles of water, you'll oftentimes find these like aggregations of springtails and you're just like, what is that? It's pretty cool to find.
2: Well, and then thinking about those, you've got isopods like pill bugs and sow bugs and millipedes that generally eat on decaying organic matter, which admittedly can sometimes cause damage to usually very young transplants or seedlings that are popping up, but Mm -hmm. in established gardens, they are really just eating the decaying leaves and the dead roots and doing more decomposing than bad stuff. I can't think of any other decaying plant matter things. There are some flies that will do it. we'll like fruit flies and some of those other small flies that might be annoying around your trash cans or fruit that you leave out, but outside they're helping break that stuff down. And when we have a big freeze or some sort of weather event that causes a lot of plant material to die, that's usually when you see them more prevalent inside, or at least those times of years when right after something like that happens, that's because they're helping break down the stuff that did die so that it's not a mess outside.
1: So then moving on from the decaying plant matter, uh, what about organic matter that's animal-based things that are breaking down? actual carry-on. So again, we we mentioned flies and really here you're going to find a lot of the like blow flies, those metallic flies. You can have beetles, different beetles that are attracted to carry-on. A lot of very pretty beetles, actually. Some of them are really vibrantly colored.
2: Jewel-toned. Yes. I mean, when you think about things eating dead animals, it sounds really gross, but what if they weren't there? If we didn't have buzzards or vultures and we didn't have flies or beetles eating up dead bodies, then you'd have a whole lot of dead animals sitting around outside. So they're really important to the ecosystem and in nature to get that stuff out of there and break it down into something usable for the earth again.
1: And even at different times as well. If you're a fly that's colonizing a a recently deceased cadaver.
0: You want the squishy gooey stuff.
1: Right. Versus if you're something like a dermestid beetle, people use those for cleaning their skeletons and getting rid of all of the hide and extra skin that's left over. And at different points of decomposition, you can find different animals attracted to that.
0: Well, you also have wasps and ants and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I've even seen pictures of like butterflies. And I read something about that's a sodium uptake that they need. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, we've got the decomposers, which are going to be those of us who have dogs, for example, in our yards. I'm sure that you've seen a lot of flies attracted to your pet's dung that's been left in the yard. And there's many flies that are going to be attracted to that. Also some dung beetles, different scarab beetles. Uh, It's always fun to go out to the parks and watch the beetles roll around their (laughs) little dung balls.
2: I love watching those little dung beetles. So I don't know if you were in that talk, but Wizzy and I were sitting through a talk at a conference that we recently attended and there was a presenter talking about dung beetles. And I had always thought of dung beetles as being tunnelers. He explained that there were three different ways that dung beetles move their dung and or rollers, he's rollers, tunnelers, and do you remember what the ones
0: that live in it
2: and the and tumors or something like that, right? Didn't he call it like their tomb? something. I
0: don't, I don't know. I know (laughs) there's the ones that roll, there's the ones that bury it and like dig underneath. And then there's the other ones that actually live in the poop itself.
2: And, but they all kind of live in though. At least they lay their egg in it. Right. Well, anyway, so I had always thought that dung beetles would, you see them roll it into a ball and then they push it away and they throw, they roll it into a tunnel. Right. And then um, their baby, their egg has been laid inside of that sphere and it utilizes that as its food source and then pupates inside of the hard shell of that poop and then emerges as an adult. So are those the tunnelers or are those the rollers?
0: The rollers are going to take a piece off of the poop and then they roll it away from the place, where it and lay an egg on it. The tunnelers will actually go underneath the poop and go from there. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones will actually live inside and lay eggs and do everything inside.
2: Okay. Okay. Now I understand. So the ones that everyone sees then are the rollers because they see them building. Those are the ones that
0: get all the press. Yeah. That's when you think of dung beetle, the whole Egyptian and raw and rolling the dung ball across the sky. And
2: we definitely see them here though. We see them. I mean, at least I do. Upside down, rolling across the... Oh, yeah. Wherever they are.
1: I did recently read an article about a message to pet owners whenever they're out in these natural landscapes Um, a lot of people if their dog uses the restroom right they just kind of leave it there oh we're in nature nature will take care of it this article was saying that that's actually it can be detrimental to certain environments because you're introducing waste factor that's not normally there it's actually kind of taking away the natural diversity i don't know if that's got any background to it but interesting I feel like poo is poo personally. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think it really depends because we were talking about with the predators and parasites podcast on how we have specialists and generalists. And the same thing plays into the dung beetles. There are some that are going to be generalists and there are some that are going to be specialists and require, you know, specific types of animal poo versus Others that are like, oh, hey, it's poo. I'm good.
2: One of our colleagues is doing a dung beetle study. And I think Dr. Uh, Swiger, Sonia Swiger, I want to say that she told me, so she's having like agents across the state sending in dung beetles or dung samples, one of the two. And I want to say that she has found like 17 different species in Texas. It's Whatever the number was, it was a lot more than I even realized we had. So there's actually a lot of dung beetles across our state.
1: I'm actually reading a little abstract right now. So some of these dung beetles in the agricultural realm, uh, someone who's got a lot of cattle, for example, these beetles can be advantageous, not just because they're breaking down the dung, but they're also breaking it apart. And when you break it apart, it becomes less moist, less of a suitable habitat for the, your pest species, like horn flies and face flies and things like that. I guess, lastly, something that we haven't mentioned, which isn't an insect, but a great recycler would be earthworms. Yeah. If you've got earthworms, a lot of earthworms you your, I would always find worms in the soil that was underneath my compost, so I would I had like a compost bin, and I would add to it, wet it, sometimes mix it all up. But I guess from all those nutrient-rich juices seeping down into the soil, then you get a lot of earthworms. And earthworms are great because their fecal pellets are a really good compost. What do they call it? It's like worm. Do they just say worm dirt? Is that
2: castings? Earthworm castings.
1: Castings, yeah.
2: I guess there's not quite as many decomposers as I thought, or there are species wise, right? There's lots of dung beetles, lots of different species of flies, multiple species of termites and cockroaches. It's just, they're easier to clump together Mm -hmm. and talk about them generally than what we did when we did predators and parasitoids.
1: All right. So that's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us on Bugs by the Yard, and we will catch you next time. Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcast, Unwanted Guests. Brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.